0: Amen. 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 Y'all may be seated. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Aren't you glad that you could be an overcomer? Say amen. All right. Think about it for a minute. If, you, if you're if you up against the wall, and I want you to know that God's already known the end before the beginning started. Aren't you glad that he is a God of yesterday? He's a God of tomorrow? He's the God of our finished work. The Bible says that we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We've been hearing from different people that God has has allowed to be used through difficult trials, through things that show they're overcoming faith. And remember when I first started the series that I implied very strongly that an overcomer is not maybe the way that it sounds. An overcomer is not someone who has arrived, someone who has landed in a place of faith where they're now exempt from the trials of this life. In fact, if I could be so bold, I will tell you that as you become closer in your walk with Christ... And those of you that have been in faith in any kind of time, you know where I'm going. The trials of life may intensify, but watch what happens. There's something unique for the child of God who's walking with God, who is literally ministering, allowing the Holy Spirit to to influence and live through and outflow through their life, that you can be an overcomer in the middle of the storm. I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I believe today. That when we can learn how to praise God in the middle of the greatest trial, that there's a parallel blessing that's waiting to come out of that. How many of you believe that? But the reality is is it's easy to do when it's going through someone else's life, but it's not easy to do when it's your own life. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter writing, of course, a specific letter. And he's writing this letter to, as you see in the first verse of chapter 1, he's writing a letter to the Christians that are scattered abroad. Now, this is interesting to note that this letter is written to a group of people who should be standing firm in their faith, but yet he says, I'm writing this to those who are scattered throughout Pontus, throughout Galatia, throughout Asia, throughout Cappadocia. And he names some places, excuse me, and you wonder, why are they scattered? But if you go back and study the historical account of what's going on in this time, this is after the resurrection of Christ. This is after, of course, the persecutions have begun to intensify. And, and I submit to you today that it's not completely different from where we are in the cross-section of our culture. I want to say this, and I want to qualify it, so I'm going to say it, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to let it marinate, then I'm going to come back and qualify it. The Christian faith today has lost her voice. The church... Has become silent. Now, if that hits you funny, it it would be because you say there's no way you could ever silence God's voice, and you're right. And there's no way you can ever silence a church, and I say you're right again. But here's the reality. We who are born again by the blood of Jesus, we're set apart, we're sanctified. The Bible says, be ye holy. That means to be set apart uh, uh, like God is holy. But watch this. We are not at all set apart. We have have fashioned ourselves into the fabric of society where we look no different, we talk no different, we act no different. And watch this. We react no different than the world, most especially when we're going through the trials of life. And here's what I believe to be true. I believe it's time I believe it's past time for the church to rise up and be heard again guys we live in a culture today And I still submit that we live in the greatest nation on planet earth, the United States of America. I still believe that. I've been to other countries and I've seen it. Many of you have as well. But here's here's the problem. We're saved. We're set apart, yet we don't act like it. I don't know if we know it. We are anything but the salt of the earth. We are absolutely not causing a thirst in a lost and parts world. We're not doing that. We have come alongside of status quo. When the Bible says we will be a peculiar people. Now let me just say some of you have angled that. You are very peculiar. But listen, we're to be peculiar because watch this? When trials come into our life, we should walk and react a little different than those who have no hope outside of the auspices of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, resurrected, and indwelling us. So I want to read a verse to you. I want to show you a couple of verses in First Peter. And this is very profound because I believe it to be somewhat of... Our anthem, if you listen to what he says, blessed be the God of our Father, of Lord Jesus Christ, which, watch this, according to His abundant mercy. Everybody say, His abundant mercy. Notice that the beginning of this is saying, you're blessed not because you're a great guy or a great gal, though you may be. You're blessed because of His abundant mercy. You're not blessed because you're a child of God in in this church. You're blessed because you're a child of God, Period. Listen, God is moving all over our county and all over our nation today. He's not just going to be moving in our, in our, in our place here. He's moving because of his abundant mercy. But watch this. And he hath begotten us again to a lively hope. Everybody say lively hope. We don't serve a dead faith, guys. We serve a resurrected Savior seated at the right hand of the Father. In fact, if you read Revelation, the Bible says he was standing in heaven. Not only did he have the authority, but he's ruling and reigning in heaven. He's not, he's not lax. He is, he is long-suffering. I saw a guy come to Jesus the other day, and he said, Man, people have been sharing their faith with me my whole life. He said, Why now? And I said, Oh, buddy, but it's because of the long-suffering of God that he didn't take you before he gave you an opportunity to know him. But watch this, it says, to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, inheritance incorruptible, it will not change, it will not decay, it is undefiled. It, listen, the world can't touch what God has given you in your faith. And that it fadeth not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Any of you guys ever tried to impress your baby, go to a restaurant, and you have reservations already made, and you walk in, and they say, uh, Mr. Pritchett, your table is right this way. You know what? That's impressive, guys. I just want you to know. You know what? When we stand, when we walk before God in heaven, you know what he's going to say? Well done. Come on in. The place I've been preparing for you, it's ready. It's ready for you. There's a reservation made for you in heaven. You're already, watch this, you're already seated in heavenly places. Man, that's just set somebody free today. Watch this. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. Guys, if you have it, you can't lose it. Do you know why? Because you couldn't gain it in the first time. The Bible says nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Nothing behind us, nothing in front of us, neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, and if there's any consolation there. The Bible says in Colossians 1:16 that he was that all things were created by him and for him, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, powers, and the things you and I think can separate us from the love of God are the very things he created for his ultimate purpose They tie together. What's this and then I'm gonna close this out I'm gonna invite somebody out for just a moment it says who are kept by the power of God through the faith unto salvation Ready to be revealed in that last time. I believe we're living in those days in verse 6 wherein you greatly rejoice not just be okay with it not just be joyful, but watch this but greatly rejoice now through a season If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Watch this, verse 7, and here's our text. Don't miss this. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than the gold that will perish, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus. More precious than the very thing that we place most value in. Things like gold and diamonds and rubies. You gotta tell you something, the thing that we place most value in here on earth will be the very ground that we trod upon in heaven. And God is showing us a proportion here, and here's the proportion. You know what He puts more stock in? It's the trial of your faith when it's tried by fire. Ten years ago, I was a young pastor over in LaGrange, Georgia. I was a student pastor. And I got a call that day it's from one of my students somewhat hysterical but really not really knowing what was going on said pastor mark if you will please go meet my my aunt my uncle at the hospital their pastor's out of town there's been an accident in the pool with their youngest boy cade and said i want you to go up there and pray with them don't know a whole lot at this time so i jumped in the car and i took off to the west georgia medical center and i'm looking and i see a line of people outside The emergency room lining all the way around to the family room. Well, if you know anything about those hospitals, especially that one over there, the family room is a place you don't want to end up. The family room is a place where you're getting news that you don't want to get you're getting something is bigger and more dire to the point that they won't even let you just sit out in the common area they bring you in they'll call in a chaplain there's something pretty big happening and I just want you to know I was just struck by that so immediately as a young man as a young pastor I started going through my mind verses like Romans 8:28, all things work together for those who love the Lord are called according to his purpose that God is sovereign over all things Colossians 1:16, he created all things for him and by him all things consist and I start running Running all these because Steve that's what we do as pastors we start thinking how can I step into this room and bring some type of calm or normalcy can I tell you something I was absolutely 100% unequivocally unprepared for what I was about to happen What was about to happen in my life at this time I want you to welcome please if you will miss Elisa Williams y'all welcome Elisa she comes up good to have Elisa's family Tim and Kyle and Alyssa's mom. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get your name, but Laurie, Laurie, Laurie. I'm gonna get in trouble for that, probably. But anyway, great to have you guys here today. Um, we need to get a mic. Ty, somebody. Gonna go with yellow, fellas. Yellow mic. We um, 15, uh, 10 years ago, when I walked into that room, I walked in and I saw Alyssa and Tim. I think it was Tim mom, Tim's mom and dad. Uh, A couple of y'all's friends that were with you, and I'm not sure who else was in that room. But I remember, and I want you to kind of pick up here, if you will, I remember walking in that room and seeing Elisa on the floor crying, and she looked up, and she saw me. I don't know that we had even met prior to that, if I'm not mistaken. Their pastor was out of town, wonderful man of God. But, Elisa, take us back to that day prior to coming up there, and then we'll pick up from that point. Tell us what happened that
1: day. Well... Just a normal Monday, you know, been a good day at work, got off work, picked up my children, my two youngest children. I have four boys, my oldest is here. Um, And gone home, fixed dinner. We all sat down as a family to eat. And within just a few minutes, um, Cade and one of his brothers went outside. Cade loved to be outside. He loved to play baseball. Imagine that with three older brothers. That was his passion. That's what he loved. So he loved to play in the garage with a ball and a bat. And within about probably three or four minutes of being outside, we heard this ruckus. And one of my boys was cutting grass and all of a sudden he hit a rug. Now granted, Tim and I had not even gotten up from from the table, so that's why I'm saying, it was just a matter of a few minutes. And we removed the rug, and um, I walked around to put the rug in the trash can, I mean, into the back of the truck, and looked in the garage, and I didn't see Kate. I thought, well, where is he at? And as I walked back on the walkway, I saw him in the pool. Um, and in an instant, our life was changed forever. Um, I jumped in, I pulled him out, frantic, Tim and I both calling 911, um, you know, trying to do CPR on him. I remember the fire department getting there and thank goodness for forgiveness because I hollered at that fireman. Well, you do something um, they weren't moving fast enough for me and um, but starting from right there God had us in his hands immediately because one of the ladies in our Sunday school class who is was a probation officer just so happened to be on our road and heard the call and she came flying down the driveway We're leaving to head to the hospital and hopped in the car with us and She began to call church family as we're trying to get in touch with our family And when we pulled in at the hospital, the first two people that we saw were our Sunday school teachers Now how I got in from my car to the room I don't know but I just remember seeing them and they placed us in this room and we're sitting and like Mark said you know he came in and I did not know Mark personally he was just my niece's youth pastor and I remember seeing him and thinking that's a man of God God's going to hear his prayers he's not hearing mine." because you see at the time i was just a lukewarm christian i was one who did the 45 minute sunday service and went back into the world on monday and didn't give another care i believed in jesus but i didn't know him and i thought god's not hearing my prayers they're not going up but this man of god can can get up there and and and, and heal my son and of course we got the word that he didn't make it. And God gave one of those Sunday school teachers that we saw the ability to probably do one of the hardest things that any human being could be, could do, and that was stand beside us as we said goodbye to cave and we rocked him. And I prayed that I would have the strength, so I'm going to show But how God gave him the strength be able to be strong you know that's only a God thing um and he was by our side the rest of the way through with trying to plan a funeral um and the love I mean when we left the hospital the emptiness that Tim and I felt to know that he wasn't coming home um was something that we'll never forget. And, you know, it was immediately a void. But when we got home, the love had already started pouring out. We had a table full of food. We had coolers with drinks on the back. People didn't know what to say, but they were gonna start giving to help and do what they could. And the next few days, of course, were, you know, trying to get through learning to live with the fact that he wasn't there I was numb um, and I remember going to the funeral home to plan his funeral and they were asking about songs that we wanted to sing and I you know I I'd never planned a funeral I mean I didn't know but the one song that came to mind was come now is the time to worship. And there was a lady at our church that sang that song beautiful. And I asked if she would sing it and, you know, said she would. But instead of walking into one lady singing it, I had a choir of angels line singing, Come now is the time to worship.
0: Let me interject there. We went to the funeral that day and there were people. Lined around the room, if you remember. I know y'all sang another song that day. I don't want you to tell them what that was in just a moment, but just blowing, blowing me away as a pastor, having prayed with them and and not getting what we were crying out and believing God for. And I, and I just feel like what the Holy Spirit is saying to somebody today is, might be believing God for something so big and so wonderful. And you're going to hear in just a moment how God just somehow fashions in his perfect will into something we don't want and we don't love but I remember walking into that room and they were worshiping and, and I was kind of taken back because that's not exactly what I thought was going to unfold that day I thought it would be real somber and real but it was a worship experience y'all were praising the Lord and everybody in the in the congregation if you were were praising the Lord and there was another song that day too what was it
1: and I'll be honest Mark I don't
0: know was, that was Remember the... Me?
1: Remember Me that's yeah. right yeah Remember Me
0: and uh, I, I just remember that song for some reason
1: And, you know, that was the only song that I had. And why I come now, you know, come now is the time to worship. And came to my mind, I don't know, other than the fact that I had a son in heaven now. And I knew that's where he was at. And so I knew I needed to get my junk together if I wanted to see him again.
0: Now, that's not the immediate knee-jerk reaction to worship God when you just lost your world. How? How do you think that song played into the days and weeks after?
1: Um, well, it's strange that <laughs> because with come now is the time to worship. Then my next theme song after that was I'll praise you in the storm, like asking crowns. And I played that song over and over and over many times a day, daily. And to this day, They're my favorite group. I mean, and towards the end of my testimony with the things that have gone on, the next song that's my theme song with them is Jesus' friend of sinners. You know, and... But going back into... I went through the motions, if any of you have lost loved ones, you have your grieving period, you're numb. You... I began to get mad at God I was mad I didn't understand why he had done this to my family to this day I still don't understand but my thing about it is that I look at is if Cade's life can turn one person to Christ who am I to not want to give him up because God gave his son for me and I fail him each and every
0: day. And I want to pick up right there because just to be honest with you, it's hard to even think how someone could articulate that and I've watched your family from a distance and um, this was tough on your marriage, this was tough on your boys, tough on your your parents, your in-laws, everybody. Community grieved with you and then several years ago Kind of out of the blue, and we stayed in touch a little bit over the years, but out of the blue, God kind of puts you on my heart to come and share your story. And I want you to tell them what happened uh, with the lady and with the Bible study and all that, because that that's how what you just said began to outflow a legacy for Kay beyond what you were seeing. Tell us what happened there.
1: God had placed um, a, late, a women's shelter, a homeless shelter, on my heart. I began to go and um, help during the day well they had asked me if i'd be willing to do a bible study and i said sure i'd be glad to so every tuesday night i would go over there and not knowing the women came and gone you know they would come and go and one night i was doing my bible study and it had nothing to do at all with my testimony and there was a woman there that would she wouldn't even look at me she In order for them to be there, they had to sit in on the Bible study, whether they wanted to or not. They had to. And she just kept her head down. She wouldn't look at me. And so God laid on my heart to begin to share with her what I'd gone through. I mean, you know, these women are broken, and they have no home. They have, half the time, no family. Their lives are shattered. And So sometimes to get at their level, you have to share with them your brokenness and where you've been and how you're able that I haven't had the perfect life either and I began to share my testimony and as I did she would look up and then she'd look back down she'd look up and she'd look back down and by the end of, my, of sharing what we'd gone through she began to talk to me and open up well she was Muslim and we began to have a bond and lo and behold about four weeks later my family and i were at the beach and i got in a call that her son had drowned and my heart broke for this woman and my first instinct was that i wanted to get in my car and i wanted to drive and hold her but i knew god had me at the beach for a reason because that was probably going to open up a lot of wounds for me that had begun to heal and so all I could do was lay on my bed there in the room and just cry for her and cry that God would help her and she has turned her life she's now a Christian Amen. And she, you know, I, I I still talk to her occasionally here or there. In fact, I talked to her probably maybe six weeks ago. She doesn't live in Lagrange anymore. Um, and you know, we've gone. He's buried at the same cemetery that Kate is buried at. And uh, she and I made a connection. Um, and. But if I can look at her life and, and be able to relate to her, and I'm thankful that God placed me in her life and that I was able to be there because I remember talking to her that day, and you know and that's where a lot of my memories went back through because she got mad at me, she yelled at me, and she hung up on me you know, as I'm trying to, to talk to her, and You know, And at that particular time, there's no words anybody can say. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'd had a child who drowned, she'd had a child who drowned, but I could never look at her and say, I know how you feel. I can say I've been there, and I can show you how to get out from that, but I don't know how you feel.
0: I I can't help but notice this burned piece of plastic on your lap. we, uh, this morning I was praying and, and the Lord's been bringing me back to 1 Peter a lot and just in my personal devotion, this was not for the sermon and this morning I read 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, got to the point of the trial by fire and, and they started talking about the refiner's fire and I don't know if you know anything about that, but the refiner's fire and in the, in the, in the refining of silver, for example, is uh, heated much hotter than a normal fire. The silver is, is placed in and it's refined and what happens is as, as the impurities float to the top of the silver. The silversmith will take and skim the top of the impurities off. And the way that he knows that the that the silver is refined and pure is he looks into the silver and sees his own reflection. And see that's where you are in your life today. Some of you feel like it's like man can this can this fight, can this journey can, can I pray any more? Can I do any more? And you're in that refiner's fire and you feel like maybe the heat of the trial is intensified rather than subsided. And that's exactly where God has you. And as you hear this story today and as you hear and go through these different uh, overcoming stories, it's the impurities of your life that are floating to the top and God is beginning, beginning to skim them off and He's looking into your life until He sees His own reflection and then and only then are you ready to be used by God. And see, as I shared that with her this morning, she, she started kind of tearing up in the back. We were about there praying. And she pulls this out of, of uh, a plastic bag. And tell us what happened on a Monday, on a 6.30, how many years later, and where that came from.
1: Well, of course, you know, on a Monday is when Cade died. And it was about 6.30. Well, after we went through with Cade, I went through a trying time. And I had a humongous battle with Satan. Huge. It's where I almost walked out on my family. Um, and I had to fight it. I had to pray. And as I told Mark on the phone, you know, when I lost Cade, I knew where he was at. And I knew I could see him again. But my battle with Satan was the deepest, darkest place that my life had ever been because I didn't know where I was going. And the decisions that I wanted to make as a human would have affected my whole family. And I could have shattered my whole family. See, Satan wanted me to leave my family. But God whispered in my ears the only words he ever said to me are, what about your boys? And I began to think. What would I tell my boys? I have a good husband a man who loves me he's a good daddy he loves his boys what excuse was I going to give and so with many tears many prayers and then the huge step of humility I walked in my house one day and I looked at Tim and I said if this marriage is going to work God's got to be first and I was terrified to go in and give those words to him and he looked at me and he said I agree well guys that's when the light switch came on for me I had victory over Kate's death and I had my marriage back well I called my preacher on on a Monday and I said God's leading me to go out and share my testimony. Well, that night, our grill caught on fire, our propane tank, as we grilled. We had grilled some chicken, came in, sat down, ate dinner, and it sounded as if a jet had just landed in our backyard. And we got up, and our propane tank was blowing a blowtorch to my youngest son's motorcycle. This propane tank was five feet from my house. We were scared that it was going to turn and catch our house on fire. And there was no putting it out. And so at the end, during the process before the fire department ever got there, I stood in the middle of my yard and I screamed at the top of my lungs, Satan, you will not stop me from doing this, because you see, Satan can put the junk in your head, but he can't read your thoughts. You have to holler at him and tell him to get thee behind me, Satan. And I screamed it. if anybody was outside, they probably thought, oh, my stars. (laughs) What is going on at their house? Well within a few minutes, here comes the fire department. And the thing is, is that this was a Monday night at 6.30 and I had the fire department coming back to my house, which opened up that wound of when Kay died again. Because it was a Monday at 6.30 and we had the fire department that was at our house first. And you see my youngest son, Kenton, who is 16 now, was the one that was affected the most with fears because of Kate's death. He suffers with fears. But when it was all over, the thing about it is, this is the only piece of plastic that was left on his motorcycle. And at the bottom of this, it says, Jesus is Lord. So saying all of that, when you're going through the fire and Satan's got you wanting to go in another direction just hold on Jesus has got you
0: Amen Did we throw a picture up of Cade? Have we done that already? He's a good looking young man Any he pretty? And then I think we have a picture of the rest of the family Got a beautiful family your oldest just got married, right? My middle just
1: got married. This okay. is my oldest that's here. Oh, yeah.
0: Wow. You're not married yet? You need to get married, dude. <laughs> I've watched this young man grow up, and I've, uh, Tim and, and the family, just amazing family, and just the, the grace and, and wisdom. Man, you guys come on out there. They walk in. Just blows me away. And to see them share their faith, let me give you a hug. Has, has literally changed my life and I, and I wanted to share this at the last that as preachers we're changed and I, and I realized that day that, that there's very little that I could do as a person the words she said was the words that I carried because I had been indoctrinated that way as a pastor that you do offer something as a pastor you walk into the door you, you kind of need to have the answers at least spiritually and and I was carrying that as a young Youth pastor, we had a very vibrant ministry, and I walked in that day, and I literally just want to be honest with you guys. I walked in that day, and I thought, I'm going to go in here, and, I, and I'm going to fix this. And I went in, and I began to see the see the uh, the things unfolding, and and I had two children at home, and and my heart just dropped as I found what was really going on in the other room that they were still working. Actually, I don't know how long they did that, but they were trying. Oh my gosh, they tried so hard to to bring Cade. Uh, back and, and, and the families in there, I said, you know, let's pray. And I remember lying on the floor. I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember holding their hands on the floor. She literally, at least it got on the floor on her face and we're crying. And I remember that old nasty floor and just seeing your tears drop on the floor. And it, and it literally, at that point, I realized I offered nothing. I realized that I offered no hope, no help. Man, you guys can come on. And I started seeing things different as a young pastor. It literally changed my life. That there are things that happen that you just listen Now This is going to hit some of you funny. That you can't pray out. You can't believe and cry out enough. I'm going to tell you, there was never any more faith that I ever experienced in a room than that night. But it still didn't go. When we got that word that day, when he came in, we did all we could do. That's what the doctor said. We did everything we could do. And I believe they did. But to see that hurt and that desperation and that completely disconnected from anything else going on in the world, I literally felt like the smallest person in the world because my my prayers had not mattered. My prayers had not changed anything. The outcome was no different than if I hadn't walked in. And so while God was doing something refining them, He was also refining, refining me as a pastor. And I remember leaving that night feeling absolutely helpless, broken. I think I called Stephanie on the way home, and I walked out, and all those people was just total silence, people lying both sides of the doorway. And I walked out, and, and I remember their pastor was walking in, a great man of God. He was walking in about the time I was leaving. He, I think he was in Florida, and they had called him. And, and I remember going out and getting in my car and just laying over my, my, my steering wheel and just sobbing. God, how did, what am I supposed to do with that? You have faith to the grain of a mustard seed. You can speak to the mountain and say, be removed and cast in the ocean, and it'll be done. And I knew those verses. I could quote them all. And yet nothing had happened the way that I had hoped. I went to the funeral and stood kind of the back corner of the wall, and I watched that family worship God at the most detrimental loss I had ever experienced at that point. I had been on many death calls, but never anything like that. and as I begin to over the years learn sometimes things just happen in our life with something listen to me don't miss this something was happening on August 15 2005 at 6:30 that was literally hell on earth to a family no answers no reasoning behind it why god would allow a 2 year old boy beautiful beautiful boy to come into the world for 2 years never done anything wrong and his life to be cut short. What, what do you do with that as a Christian? What do you do with that as a pastor? How do you stand back up and preach some kind of reasoning behind that? There was none. And I had to compartmentalize that in my life. And it really wasn't until several years later staying in touch with him and seeing the grace of God. Building a playground for other kids on the, in the name of Cade. So other kids that didn't have a playground could go play. Little things like that they were huge. They didn't give up. And not knowing all that was going on behind closed doors with their marriage and with their boys. And yet, they just kept going and kept pushing and kept doing. But it really wasn't until we reconnected three or four years ago that she began to share with me about that lady who was a Muslim and and, and how God, watch this, God knew on August fifteenth, two 2005, at 6.30, that when Cade actually fell in that pool. He watch this. He had somebody else in mind down the corridors of time that we never understood that if God would send his own son into the world, perfect in all ways to not only die for those who loved him but to die for those who persecuted and hated him in all ways, who put him on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That that same God who would do that and be pleased to do it to his own son would allow Cage's life to mean more than just a life. That it would be something eternal for a lady who had no hope, literally destined for a devil's hell, born into the Muslim faith had no hope, would have encountered at any other time and would have never turned twice but because of Cade's death notice I said because not in spite of not in conjunction with but because of his death there's a lady that's going to live forever and not just her maybe because of her conversion from Muslim faith into Christianity others will come to know we may never know the fullness of what God was doing And you say, Mark, what does that mean to me? I'll tell you what it means to you. God is absolutely the same in your life. Stephanie and I, our marriage was lost in 1999. Not just because we made some wrong turns, but because God had something in mind. Because it was in that moment that I learned how to get on my face before God. To read His Word and say, God, if you're real and this book is true, let me get it. Let me understand it. Show it to me. Let me bring it out. Not knowing one day He was going to call me to preach. To start a ministry called Rush. That over 10,000 people would come to the Lord all of that he had in mind when I was going through my hell on earth that God wasn't just allowing me to go through a marital conflict but he was allowing me to go through that that he could place me back in a spot maybe for this day for one person one person to hear in this room through her story, through my story that God is still on the throne Jesus is still Lord no matter what you're going through no matter what you feel the loss in your life makes no sense God is saying oh it makes sense to me because I'm allowing you to go through this with someone else in mind. And the Bible says, consider it a joy to suffer for his name's sake. To consider it an honor to greatly rejoice, he says in 1 Peter. For the manifold trials that we're going through. That it it's more precious than gold. Every head bowed and every eye closed over this room. You've come here today not because you were invited. You came here today not because you just decided to come to our church. I'm going to try it out. Oh, no, you came here today to hear the story of this amazing woman of God, this family. Who in the most difficult trial of their life, losing their precious son. That God was there. And that God was in, in the middle of that. That he wasn't saying no to Cade's life. He was saying yes to other people's lives. And God wants you to know today that you're crying out and he hears your cries. You're praying and he hears your prayers. Revelation says that the prayers of the saints are bottled up. God knows them. They become a sweet savor to his nostril. Because when you pray, he is moved. All heaven is moved. God is intimately, intimately concerned with the prayers that you're believing God for. And he wants you to know today that maybe you haven't seen anything happen. But no, he is involved. He is in the midst of your prayer. You want your husband to come to church? He says, I heard that prayer. You want your children to turn back to God? He said, hey, I heard that prayer. You believe in God for a healing in a family member's life? He says, I heard that prayer. You believe in God for depression to fall by the wayside, anxiety to fall to the other? He says, I heard that prayer. And you haven't seen anything happen. And I want to tell you something. It's because that is the trial of your faith. It is a refiner's fire. He is purifying you. He's rubbing all the rough edges off because he wants you to know today that he's about to do something huge in your life you got to keep on pressing on. Don't you give up. Do you know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know if you die today right now that you have heaven for a home? We know where Kate is. There's no doubt in our mind. We're going to see him again and he's going to be alive more than he's ever been alive in this life. But do you know that if you die, you spend eternity in heaven? If you don't, would you pray with me right here, right now? You heard this message to know Jesus died for you and he wants to save you. Pray with me right now from your heart to God. Father in heaven... I'm a sinner, and I believe in Jesus Christ, and I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive my sin. Jesus, will you save me and help me to live for you?